being here this morning and being a part of our first Sunday at our new location and being a part of uh, the first page of a new chapter in the history of Paragon Church. It's a short history, but this is our fourth location in the uh, almost eight years we've been doing this now. And, you know, with today being our first meeting in this new location, our first real meeting, I guess we had a meeting on uh, on Labor Day when we took communion here. It's a little bit different for those of you guys who came that communion night. It's a little bit uh, brighter, a little bit cleaner, a little bit uh, little bit nicer, hopefully. Um, we've uh, spent a lot of time putting this together, and uh, I'm thankful for the guys and the ladies who have been in here late evenings uh, working on things and making sure it was ready for today. Um, but with today being a new start, what I'd like to do is I would like to go to First Kings this morning. And we're going to jump into First Kings, and we're going to see a prayer of dedication that Solomon prayed over the temple. And uh, what I would love for you to do is go to 1 Kings, and I know maybe some of you uh, in 1 Kings chapter 8, your Bibles don't naturally fall open to 1 Kings because you um, don't read about King David and you don't read about King Solomon and the building of the temple. It's just not something that's like, oh, I've got to study that again today. So here it is up on the screen. If you don't know where it is in 1 Kings, uh, go ahead and find it there. And as you are jumping to it, um, I'm going to give you that moment. Once again, I do want to say thank you to some, some specific people. Um, I'm going to say thanks to Rick. I'm going to say thanks to Corey. Uh, they have been here way more than even I have, and I felt like I was here a whole, whole lot. And uh, I, I know that uh, they didn't do it for any of that. They didn't even want you to clap for them or anything like that, but this place would not have come together. And we still have some things to do. As you can see, I'm a little dark from the front, but lit from the back because we still have some lights that need to go up in here, but they haven't come in from Amazon yet, so we're... Uh, we're hoping to get that done tomorrow. But there's a lot of little things that, that have been taking place that I don't think anybody else would notice unless they didn't work. And they do work because Rick and Corey were jumping on that stuff. So I'm thankful for them to do that. If you're in 1 Kings chapter 8, we're going to be reading out of verse 54 through 63. If you wouldn't mind following along with me, here's what it says. Now as Solomon finished offering all of this prayer and plea to the Lord, he arose from before the altar of the Lord where he had knelt with his hands outstretched towards heaven. And he stood and he blessed all the assembly of Israel with a loud voice saying, Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel according to all that he promised. Not one word has failed of all of his promise which he spoke by Moses his servant. The Lord our God be with us as he was with our fathers. May he not leave us or forsake us that he may incline our hearts to him, to walk in all his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his rules, which he commanded our fathers. Let these words of mine with which I have pleaded before the Lord be near to the Lord our God day and night. And may he maintain the cause of his servant and the cause of his people of Israel as each day requires, that all the people of the earth may know that the Lord is God. There is no other. Let your heart, therefore, be wholly true to the Lord our God, walking in his statutes and keeping his commandments as at this day. Then the king and all Israel with him offered sacrifice before the Lord. Solomon offered as a peace offering to the Lord 22,000 oxen and 120,000 sheep. So the king and all the people of Israel dedicated the house of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word, and thank you for this opportunity to be in this place right here. And today, as we focus on this prayer of dedication, that prayer of dedication is Solomon 
put so much effort and so much time and so much money into seeing your temple be done. He wanted your glory to shine because of it. Not his, not anybody else who worked on it. God, we want the same thing. Help us see that in this prayer today. We pray it in your name. Amen. This is a prayer of dedication. It's a prayer of dedication, and, and when we think of the word dedication, what does it mean? What does the first thing you pop into? Sometimes we think of, of commitment, which we talked about two weeks. Why should we commit? Two weeks ago, we, we said that. So, so let's look at that and say, from that place, what is dedication? To be dedicated to something. Well, by definition, the word means to set apart or be devoted to. To set apart or be devoted to. So as we go and maybe you've been a part of a church that, that dedicates children. Maybe you've been a part of a church that, that has the, the pastor or, or priest come over and they dedicate the house. Maybe you've been a part of a church that they, they dedicate a building or whatever it might be. They are asking somebody to set apart or devote specifically to. And today as we read this chapter and as today as we stand in this building, we're going to look and we're going to see that it is about dedicating this building to the Lord. We want to set apart, we want to devote this to Him. This is not about us. And that is what, hopefully what we're going to see today as we look at this. And as so we look at dedicating to the Lord or showing this dedication to the Lord, I think we even need to look a little bit into the background of what is taking place here in 1 Kings. Because as we look at 1 Kings, we have to see that it took seven years, seven years for them to put all of this together. We're at seven weeks today. So it took them a whole lot longer to get this temple all together. And it's amazing. You watch the progress. I was jokingly saying that you probably don't study a whole lot about 1 Kings and watching the, the, this temple get built. But there's some amazing things that take place. They had a schedule of 10,000 workers that worked for a month, got two months off. And while the other two months were off, there was another schedule of 10,000 workers and another schedule of 10,000 workers. They had 30,000 workers rotating once a month, or I'm sorry, one month of three all the time. Just to see this get built in seven years. And you see this seven years, and it took seven years to actually build it. But before that, King David had the plans. King David had gathered supplies. King David, his father, had brought all this stuff together. And so we see this long-term project. And this long-term project, only the best materials were used. Same here, right? And, uh, and so all of these things came together as we see it. And it's an amazing thing that is going to be dedicated not to the glory of man, but to the dedicated to the glory of God. When all that temple work was finished, they brought in the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant came in, and they placed it in the inner sanctuary of the temple, the most holy place, and they put it beneath the wings of the cherub. And, and, and in there, what they did is, is they, they, the priest took it in, and they withdrew, and they had the temple. And when that came together, Solomon threw out two prayers. The first prayer is found at the beginning of 1 Kings chapter 8. And the first prayer is very temple specific and it's very much about what the glory of God was going to do in that specific thing. What, how it was going to fit in the place of history of Israel and all of those things. So that wasn't the focus of today. But the second prayer that he throws up is one I think that we can learn a lot from today. And that's the reason why I wanted to read it. And I, and I saw this prayer of dedication. I found four parts in this prayer that are easily applicable for each of us today as we start what we're going to do here and as we join alongside of God and what He's going to do here. So if you have your Bible still open there, I'm going to be jumping back and forth. But the first thing that I saw was this. Thanksgiving and praise for what God has done. That was the first part of the prayer. 
thanksgiving and praise for what God has done. Listen to what it says in verse 54 again. Now Solomon finished offering all of this prayer and pleaded to the Lord. He arose from before the altar of the Lord where he had knelt with his hands outstretched towards heaven. This is him wrapping up that other prayer, the first one. And he says this. He stood and he blessed all the assemblies of Israel with a loud voice saying, Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people. According to all that he had promised, not one word has failed of all of his good promise, which he spoke by Moses, his servant. Now, I'm not sure about you guys. Sing a good, good father. I didn't get down with Jerome and say, hey, man, we got to sing this song. But, man, that is such a powerful song. I, I was feeling tears well up in my eyes as we were singing that because he has brought us here. And I thought about that, and I can't imagine what Solomon, all the time, all the effort, all the everything that went into that, that he had to have had some sort of excitement and some sort of pride in himself to say, this is what we have done. Us, Solomon, us, the Israelites, us, these 30,000 skilled workers, we have done some things. Should he take credit for it? I believe absolutely. However, it wasn't about him. And as we saw that it wasn't about him, in his wisdom, and we see that same wisdom show up at the beginning of 1 Kings chapter 4, and it talks about how the wisdom is given to him by God. We see that wisdom, in his wisdom, he understands it was the Lord who gave Israel rest, which means he didn't have any enemy to come against him the whole time they were building that temple. Nobody was attacking him, nobody was doing that, so they didn't have to focus on a war. All they had to focus on was building that temple. Also, it was the Lord who provided all that they needed to complete the project. Everything was from God, and it was the Lord who fulfilled all the good promises that was given to the servant Moses, and he recognized that. And what can we learn? How can we see that? Well, I believe it's this way. When we accomplish something, we have to recognize where it actually comes from. We can be very prideful people, and we meaning I, okay? And and when I look at that, and I think to myself, man, I have put in a lot of time. I have put in a lot of effort. Well, guess what? God gave me the time, and God gave me the effort. And he gave me the talent, or at least surrounded me people with talents. Um, you know, and, and he gave us the finances. He gave us every little thing along the way. We cannot take credit for that. That is all him. And we have to look and say, God, you are amazing. Like I said, this place isn't quite finished yet. Solomon threw up this prayer of dedication when everything was done. We're not there yet. As a matter of fact, December 3rd is going to be our official grand opening. It's going to be the one that we're going to really push to the community. I want you to still invite your friends. I'm not going to say, hey, you can't come to church for another month. No, you don't have to say that, okay? But, but I would like for you to know that our plan is to be fully ready on December 3rd for two reasons. One, it gives us a little bit of time to work out the kinks. And two, it's actually our 400th Sunday as a church. I'm not sure if you were with us when we celebrated our 300th Sunday at the other building a couple years ago. But it's our 400th Sunday as a church, and I'm looking forward to be able to celebrate that and just thank God for what he's done and, and lift that up. But as we look at that, we have to say, God, it's all about you. And I, and I, I, I thank God that, that he has done what he's done. And as I look and I say, hey, we have a couple more things to get done. I, I was joking about the suggestions about the kitchen, but I would love to have a kitchen. As a matter of fact, Pam came in to make this coffee this morning. She's like, where's the kitchen? <laughs> You know, that was my answer. Uh, and uh, it's supposed to be there. There's a spot for it over there. We just don't have it in the funds yet. So if you feel that necessity that, uh, you know, you want to put towards that and put that on your suggestion, that's good. I'm okay with that. I'm not going to argue with you about that. But here's the thing. As we're moving forward, it's all about God. And he gives, we give him praise and we give him thanksgiving for all that he's done and all that he's going to do. And that's exactly what Solomon did for the first part of this prayer. The second part is this. God 
continued presence and direction. That's what he prayed for. God's continued presence and direction. Listen, it says, the Lord our God be with us as he was with our fathers. May he not leave us or forsake us that he may incline our hearts to him to walk in all his ways and to keep his commandments, his statutes, and his rules, which he commanded our fathers. He sees and he acknowledges the, the work of the Father. And he sees the interaction that their generation before them had. And he says, I want that same thing. I want that in us. How can we make this happen? And he says, I need God's presence. We need God's presence with us. And we pray that same for today. Because isn't it the most amazing thing when we're in the presence of God? I, I hope that you didn't come in here today to say, you know what, I am here for me. I mean, we get into that and we say, you know what it is, and, and I, I, I told you, I had tears kind of welling up in my eyes during that song, and we get into an emotional experience, sometimes we think it's about us, but it's not about us. We're here for an audience of one, and you are not that one, and I am not that one. We are here to praise the Lord, we are here to thank the Lord, we are here to be in His presence and be challenged and refreshed by Him. And when I look at that, I say, that's our prayer. Our prayer today is to be in his presence, and that his presence never leaves this place. We're going to be here for at least five years. But even when we leave, and if we do, or whatever God has for us five years from now, I tell you, five years ago, I didn't expect us here, but that's, that's God and his thing and not my thing. But as we look at that, who knows what's going to happen next? I know the church that was in here before us prayed heavily that another church would come in and continue on the ministry of what they were doing, and that's what we're here for. And so I look at that and I say, we pray for his presence, but also we pray for his direction. His direction for us. It says in verse 58 that he may incline our hearts to him to walk in all of his ways and keep his commandments, his statutes, and his rules, which he commanded our Father. That word incline means to, to deviate from a course or to, to persuade someone to move in a direction. We are asking God to change our hearts from our ways to his ways. And that is our prayer today, and that should be our prayer every day. Because every day I battle with my ways versus his ways. And every day he wins, and sometimes I like it and sometimes I don't. And, and, and that's where we are. And I say, as Solomon prayed that, we should pray that as well. Here's the third thing that he prayed. God's name be known over all the earth. Verse 59 says, this, let these words of mine which, with which I have pleaded before the Lord be near to the Lord our God day and night. And may he maintain the cause of his servants and the cause of his people Israel as each day requires. That all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God. There is no other. Solomon prays here for daily provision. And as he's praying for daily provision, he's praying for one reason. That one reason isn't for him. That one reason isn't for Israel. That one reason is so God gets the glory to say, look what God has done. And he says, I not just want everybody that's in our circle to see, look what God has done, but I want everybody outside this building to see, what, look what God has done. And I want everybody around the world to say, look what God has done, because he's continuing to provide, and he's continuing to do these things. And, you know, I'll be very honest with you. This is a reminder that we don't exist for ourselves. It's a constant reminder. And I'll tell you, that there are days that, that we get to where it's about us. And I told you, I, I battle with it myself often. And I have to remember, I'm not doing it 
for me. As a matter of fact, Jesus gave us a command. It's a command we talk about often, and I'm going to talk about it again today. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, it says this. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He says, we're praying for our church. But it goes bigger than that. It's about reaching out further than that. It's about not just our daily needs and having them met, but praying that people see that and understand who God is and that they can, they can have a relationship with Him as well. That's what we are for. That is why we exist as a church. I'm not sure if you have this, if you get on the website anymore, because, you know, sometimes we just forget websites even exist because we have phones that just pull up. Google does it all for us. But on the website, this is what our vision statement says. By God's power, we want to see the unchurched and de-churched transformed into a community of Christ followers and see our community of Christ followers go change the world. Our mission statement says our mission is to lead people into a growing relationship with our paragon, Jesus Christ. And I'm sure you know the motto in paragon or our battle cry, come as you are to be changed and go change the world. That is why we exist. This is great. But this is just a meeting place to be refreshed, to be renewed, and to be challenged to go out and change the world. This is a place where you can bring your hurting friends and they can get loved on. This is a place where you can bring your people who are down and out in your workplace or your your family and they can get loved on. But as they get loved on, they are transformed. If they're unchurched, which means they've never been to church or they're de-churched where the church just hurt them and they don't want to be a part of it anymore. And we can see them transformed into a, a, a group of followers of Jesus, and then when they become a follower of Jesus, they're being discipled, and they're finding out what this is all about, and that other people need to hear the same thing, and they go out. How awesome would that be to see that take place? And I look at that, and what Jesus commanded us to do, not suggested for us to do, but commanded for us to do, to go and to make disciples. And wherever we are going, we're making disciples. Wherever we're going, we're immersing people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. How do we do that? Well, as God provides for us, it shines through us. And guess what? We can also use words. We can also tell people about it. Because, see, as I look and I say, man, we've got some great things coming up. In December, we're going to Juarez. As a matter of fact, inside that closet right there, it kind of looks like a, um, a missionary hut in another country. So I think we can, anytime we see it, we can just pray for our international missionaries. And uh, maybe we'll put some some fun logos on it and some, like, weeds in front of it. I don't know. But, but we'll, we'll figure it out as time goes on. Like I said, we're not quite done yet. But when I look at that, inside of that, we have over 100 backpacks that have come in for kids down in Juarez. And I'm probably pronouncing that really poorly as a white guy, but I apologize. So um, as I, I'm thinking, we're going to be taking those, and in the next couple of weeks, we're going to have almost like an angel tree thing where you're going to take a backpack, and you're going to fill that backpack, and then on December 9th, we're going to go down and we're going to deliver those to the kids specifically instead of sending it through Operation Christmas Child. No problem with Operation Christmas Child. Just I want to have our hands in it. I want to be a part of it. I want you guys to be a part of it. That we can go down and see the kids' faces when we give that backpack full of more stuff that will fit than just in a shoebox. So be thinking of that. Be thinking of things that you can put in there. And then in July, we're going to Honduras. And when we go to Honduras, we're going to be doing some, some outreach. We're going to be feeding the poor. We're going to be sharing the gospel. We're going to be doing lots of things. Ryan and Maya right here are going to be the ones leading it up. Talk to them if you're interested. But if you want to be a part of that, these are big things that I'm excited about. And I hope that you are as well as our church reaches out to reach around the world. And then even being in here, I'll tell you, we have made some great connections already with just the people in just this business complex. 
and talking to them. I invited them yesterday. They had a big grand opening across the street, which they had a bunch of smoked meat. So we were over there hanging out. Why not? You know, they had sausage and chicken wings and all kinds of stuff. So we're like, yeah, I'll go share the gospel. No problem. So, uh, um, so we went over there, and we were, I just said, hey, guys, you should come on over. I said, it's not going to be perfect, but none of us are. So come on. I'm like, well, we'll think about it. They're not thinking about it, but they will get to start thinking about it. The more that I talk to them, the more they invite them. That's what we need to be doing. We need to be reaching out to our community. If there's one area I think that we struggle in, and we being the church, is personal evangelism. When was the last time you told somebody about Jesus? Stop and think about it. When was the last time you actually shared the gospel with somebody? When was the last time you actually invited somebody to church? I already said, hey, maybe not, but still invite them. Because they say, statistics, that 80% of people will go to church if somebody would just invite them. But we don't invite them. For whatever reason, we're, we're afraid to invite. Whatever reason, I, I don't know what it is. And so why don't we do it? As, as Solomon prayed, I want to pray that God's name is known among the nations. All the people groups. That means every people group that you're a part of and every people group that I'm a part of and across the world. Let's pray that it happens from this place. The fourth thing he prayed, a prayer for God's people to remain fully committed to him. Verse 61 said, let your heart therefore be holy, true to the Lord our God, walking in his statutes, keeping his commandments, as at this day. Solomon's final request was that his people would follow the Lord. His people would be fully committed to the Lord. Isn't it the heart of all dedication? Shouldn't it start with us? I mean, we can say, hey, I want to dedicate this building, or I want to dedicate my marriage, or I want to dedicate my child, or I want to dedicate my home. But does it really matter if the person who wants to do the dedicating isn't dedicated themselves? If I say, I want to dedicate my child, but then I live a completely opposite life of what Christ would have me to live at home, what good is it? Or the same thing with my house, or the same thing with anything. Why even bother? So as we pray to say, God, we want you to use this building for your glory and your honor, it starts with us. It starts with us dedicating ourselves. Verse 61 actually says, let your heart therefore be wholly true to the Lord our God. Wholly true. All of it. Are we all in? And you know, maybe you're looking at that and going, oh, okay, well, I kind of like the idea of dedicating the building. And I kind of like the idea of that. But dedicate myself, that, I, I want to pull back a little bit. We, it doesn't work like that. If we're going to be the ones to take the gospel out, if we're going to be the ones, we need to say, I want to be in line with Christ. And as I'm in line with Christ, other people are going to see that, other people are going to hear it, and this world is going to change because of it. That is our challenge. When you look at the rest of the history of Israel, what happens to that temple that they dedicated? Well, eventually they walk away from the Lord. They are no longer dedicated to the Lord. And as they walk away from the Lord, the Babylonians come in. They ransack the temple. They break the temple down. They burn the walls down. They wipe it out. And I believe it was God saying, hey, you have to be with me first. My thinking is they said, hey, we got a building. Yay, we did it. That's not it. It's not about the building. It's all about him and our relationship with him. And wow, we are obeying his commandments and his statutes and we're keeping them and we're doing these things man how awesome is this 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 fourfold prayer that he's laying out there first thing is that thanksgiving and praise for what god has done second thing is we should pray that god's continued presence and direction stays with us that we should look beyond ourselves and pray god's name be known among the nations and that we should pray that god's people remain fully committed to him but here's how it ends 
the response at the end is, is one of those things that kind of blows me away. Verse 62, then the king and all Israel with him offered sacrifice before the Lord. Solomon offered as peace offerings to the Lord 22,000 oxen and 120,000 sheep. I'm not sure if you're aware how many that is, but I'm going with a lot. And they had already given a lot, had they not? Had they already not spent seven years in getting the finest stuff and, the, and putting the finest workers and the skilled workers? They, they'd done everything they needed to up to that point. And all of a sudden they're like, all right, God, we did it. Now we're going to do more. And I think that's a challenge to us even the same way. They didn't stop there. They didn't say, well, we've spent enough. We've done enough. It's we're moving forward to glorify what God has done. And 22,000 oxen and 120,000 sheep, that, that's, a, that's a lot. And that's just on the day of dedication. Our challenge is we have to continue to do more. We have to continue to reach out because we are not at the pinnacle. This is not the end. This is not our celebration moment and we're done. We're moving forward. We're going to see this community changed for Jesus Christ because he is going to use us and we're willing to be used. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to close in prayer. And as we close in prayer, I'd like for you to stand with me as we pray. And I'm going to pray scripture over this. And as we pray scripture over it, you can find that scripture. You can read that scripture. You can just pray out loud with me if you want to. So I'm going to take some pauses in between each scripture. And you can say something if you want. If you don't want to, perfectly okay as well. But we're going to wrap this up. And I'm going to have the band come up. And we're going to wrap up with a final song as we do that. So would you stand with me and bow your head? And lift your heart. If you want to lift up your hands, yeah, it doesn't bother me. It says that when Solomon got done, he stood up and he lifted his, had his outstretched hands to heaven. So this is what we're going to pray. Let's pray together. Dear God, creator of us all, we come to you with joy and praise to you. For being in this place, your faithfulness is bringing about the miracle of the establishment of right here, this new church place that we are in. We are so grateful for the way that you have made it possible to pay cash for everything. You've made it possible to have the right people in the right place to be able to do the right things. And God, we give you all the praise and all the glory for that. I want to pray 1 John 1, 9 and Romans 10, 9 this. May this church serve as a place where many are saved from their life of sin and separation from you by experiencing the redeeming power of Jesus Christ in their lives. May many be saved. God, we pray 2 Timothy 3.16, and we pray that many will learn the scriptures. They are profitable for rebuke, and they're profitable for, for lifting up. God, I pray that many learn the scriptures. I pray, too, that many experience the power of prayer. I pray that many grow in discipleship relationships and friendship relationships with your son, Jesus Christ. As it says in John 15, that we, apart from him, can do nothing. That we will hold on to that. We pray again, Matthew 28, 19. May this building shine the light of salvation of Christ in this city and throughout this region and throughout this world. May many be immersed in you here. We pray, Mark 10, 9. May many be joined in true Christian marriage with Christ at the center of their marriage right here at this altar. 
Psalm 22, we praise you and we thank you. May this be a place of true worship, thanksgiving and praise. May this be a place of hope and healing and a place of joy and peace. God, we know there's people out there trying to destroy this, trying to knock us down. We pray, Isaiah 54, that no weapon formed against this sacred place will prosper. Proverbs 16, 18, God, may all opposition and proud spirits be cast out through the power and protection of your Son, Jesus Christ. May each person who enters this property know they are in your presence. May they lay aside their personal agendas and seek the perfect will of you, our Father. May they confess their sins and avail themselves of Christ's power to live new lives, as it talks about in Matthew chapter 6. May they be supportive of one another in Christian love and community. May we be one in unity. May the love of Christ be at the center of all that takes place here, 1 Corinthians 13. Finally, God, may your Holy Spirit inhabit this place, and may your glory shine here, or wherever we are, for countless generations to come. John 1.19. We lift this all up in your name.